if you have God's word today, uh, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Acts and we're going to uh, Acts chapter two and we're going to pick up there in verse uh, 22 and we'll read down through verse 38. We won't, we won't look at all the verses, but we'll just kind of grab a few in different locations and we'll focus on that. So our pericope for this morning is Acts two, uh, beginning at verse 22. And before I read that. Uh, I want to I want to say that there's no question that education or educators have impacted probably everybody's life in this room. Lauren alluded to that in her 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 testimony. And so educators impact their lives. And and so we kind of have a story. All of us, we have our own story uh, about our experience uh, in school and in college, whatever it might be. My story has to go back to my fifth grade teacher, uh, Miss Steele. Um, and probably because, you know, Miss Still, I really remember for a couple of reasons. And one reason is because she was the first teacher that I had a crush on. <laughs> and, and I was trying to think about how I could say this appropriately as a pastor, but I don't know how to say it any other way. She had legs. I mean, I, I was in fifth grade and this teacher was just awesome and she had got my attention and I had this big crush on her. And the crush was going great, you know, it was going great until my buddy and I were running around town. This was back when, you know, you didn't lock your doors. And as a kid, you remember, you could just run around town and wouldn't worry about any harm coming to your child. And you come in just before the sun comes down. And so we're running around town and I'd learned where Miss Still lived. And, and so my buddy and I had gone by there and we saw her through the window there. And, and, and my crush just fell. I mean, it just dissipated the moment that I saw what I saw. And, and what I saw was she was smoking a pipe. I'm talking about an old fashioned pipe, 28 year old teacher, single teacher smoking a pipe. Can you believe it? And I just all of a sudden the crush went away. Uh, but, but you know, she impacted my life, not just because, you know, of, of that, that I had a crush on her, but because she somehow, for whatever reason, she was able to make me feel really important. And that was a big deal because my story is I, I was I was a hyperactive child. I mean, before we had all the terms, I was super hyperactive. In fact, Ritalin was a an experimental drug. And so they were trying that on me. I mean, anything. So so I was on Ritalin and I was hyperactive. And the fact is, before the fifth grade, my experience at school had been a bad experience and I literally hate going to school and because back then they used a SWAT and I literally got a SWAT every day. I was just this hyper kid. But Miss Steele came along and aside from my crush, she she just had this knack. She knew how to make me feel important. And uh you know she didn't made me she didn't point me out. She did not make me feel odd, but somehow she she gave me extra assignments, she gave me special opportunities, and she directed my energy so that I began to build my self-esteem or the experiences built my, built my self-esteem. And all of a sudden, I had this kind of this shift in my life and in, in my thinking that I began to like education. And in fact, I'm still a student today. I still am learning and I've been a student my entire life. And largely because of this educator that impacted my life and, and, and my story changed because of this educator's influence. And, and I think that's exactly what happens when, when we, we learn about who Jesus Christ is. Because when we learn about who Jesus Christ is, or really the story of Jesus Christ, it is such a, it is such a profound story that it makes our world shift. It transforms our lives. I mean, when we really encounter the living Messiah whose name is Jesus Christ. 
And we go to the book of Acts this morning and really we're just kind of peering in in this this kind of this time window. And we're we're listening to the story that Peter is telling about the life of Christ and how that life transformed and impact people's lives. And so when we look at Peter, really, it's it's a testimony that Peter is giving about who Jesus Christ is. In fact, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter two, as I mentioned, Acts chapter two, looking at verse 22. We're going to begin there. So let's start at verse 22 and just hang on. And then we'll just pick some verses and uh, skip some and then and pick a few more. So verse 22 begins. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Now, Peter has stood and now he's given this message uh, to a large group of people, thousands actually. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's important to notice that. By God's deliberate plan And foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence. And then he continues to tell the backstory of the impact of Christ in his life and testimony. And, and therefore, we look at verse 36, go to verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Precious Father, we thank you for the word today. I I thank you, Father, for the revelation of truth and that, Lord, that that truth, it, it transforms, it changes lives And that, Lord, that this is a story that is relevant, not only for the people in that day, but it's relevant for us this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would put your arm around the one today that is lonely. I pray that you would lift the one that is discouraged. I I pray for the one that is seeking answers. Because many of us have come here to get today and we we have some questions. And kind of like in our worship alluded to the fact that, Lord, help us understand There's some of us that are wanting, trying to understand. So, Lord, I pray that you just help that one answer those questions. I thank you for this word. I pray your blessing would be upon it, upon this reading. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name and all God's people said, amen. And amen. Now, Peter, he he really fits it all together, kind of like a puzzle. But it's not a puzzle that that people are unfamiliar with. In fact, it's it's a puzzle that people know about. It, it it's it's the message. It, it's the gospel. It, it's the the Messiah that has come. In fact, we see in verse twenty five. Go back to the text. In verse twenty five, we read David said about him, "I saw the Lord always before me." Now, I underline that in in my mind's eye. I saw the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. And then the last part of it, I will not be shaken. 
Now, one commentary would have us notice this passage. It, it, it does recognize those, you know, those that were chasing other gods. This was a time that people were elevating the one they thought was wise to the level of savior. And, and so this, this pagan culture was rampant with people that are saying, okay, this is the way. No, this is the way. No, this is the truth. But then we come to this where it is the story. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the false story. It's the story of a people, a people that is long and ancient and, and, and their history of people that, that, that were asking the question about who Jesus Christ is. A, a story of a people, God's chosen people called the Israelites, that, 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 that we read about in the Old Testament, that shock full of, of people that were chasing after the truth. And God, in fact, sometimes they had an evil king and sometimes they had a good king, a lot of evil kings. But when there was a good king, they'd reestablish the temple and reorganize and they'd come to the temple. And in their hunger, they would seek God there in the temple and then they would say, yes, I want to follow the Lord. But then we read those books in the Old Testament. You see, because the story was not complete, that it seems like at the end of every one of those books, it says, but even after a good king, but the people returned to their Asherah poles. The people returned to their idolatry as if there was always one foot in the world and another foot in the kingdom. And so there's this, 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 this question. And the question that, that becomes an answer, which is, is Jesus Christ. And that's the exegesis of the passage, because David identifies the uniqueness and the supernatural reality that makes Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. David, that's why Peter refers to David. He identifies the uniqueness and the supernatural reality that makes Jesus Christ. Amen. We see it. Look at the verse. Verse 25. It's in the beginning there. That first part. The story of Jesus. Talking about the story of Jesus. It cannot be separated from from the story of God the Father. And God God the Holy Spirit. God the Son. Obviously the story being. Or the gospel being about the Son. But there is no separation. In fact in. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, we read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us for a while, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the One who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we see, all of a sudden, we see the the, the intimacy of the reality of the Trinity and the presence of God. So in the story, in the story, there is no separation between God the Father the Son, the Spirit. And then the next part, it says, because he is at my right hand, denotes the closeness that the Son has with the Father and vice versa, the closeness the Father has with the Son. So we have some good theology here in this exegesis. And then at the last part of verse 25, we see the phrase, I will not be shaken, saying that it is in this station. It is in this duty that God has called me to that Jesus, the Savior, will not be shaken. He will be steadfast and he will follow through the plan of God and he will end up on the cross. And that's the part of the story that he will end upon the cross and it's on the cross that he he is crucified and he gives us life. And part of the story shows us that it's the plans of God that succeed. The story shows us it's it's God's plans that really satisfy and give us purpose in life. And it's the plans of man that fail. The plans of man that fade in time. In fact, we go to another book of the Bible, which is the book of Psalm. And in the book of Psalm, it alludes to the the weakness, the fading reality of of man's intentions and his plans and that man's plans fail and only God's plans succeed. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we come back now to the story because Peter, remember, he's telling the story. 
that extends through a huge amount of time. The, the, the story of the people of Israel, in fact, one of the longest stories of a people in history. Not, not the longest, but if we look even in secular resources, one of the longest stories of a people in history is the story of the Israelites. I guess what I want to say this morning, I mean, because I started out by talking about my story. I want to say that stories move us. I mean, stories move us. We see the story in movies that we watch today and we see the crisis, the conflict, the resolution, the plot line that unfolds. And we are addicted to the storyline as Americans. We love the story and we see the storyline in books or novels that we read, the crisis and conflict and the resolution. And once again, we even have the narrative or the storyline in our video games, guys. And even in the video games that we play, there's this narrative that, that catches us or hooks us. And we follow the storyline, the narrative. We, we see the storyline even in politics. Dare I mention that? Even in the politician that spins his narrative. And he says, if you vote for me, if you elect me, our world will look like such and such and such and such. And I promise you, here's the story that can be told if you cast your vote in my direction. We are addicted to the storyline. And so I come back to the story of, of the people of God. And I say, how has the story impacted our lives? And, and in fact, I'm impressed with the story of the church. I came across an article called The Power of Love and the Rise of Christianity. And, and the story focuses on the rise of the church. And I would think it would be maybe in this century or some other great time when there's a movement of God. But, but really what the article points to is it points to a very unusual time. That he says was the rise of Christianity. And the time that he points to is the dark ages. When it seems like everything was dead and voices were silent. But he says it's in the dark ages Christianity thrives. Bear with me as I read a couple paragraphs. Many historians believe that central to the rise of Christianity was the simple fact that Christians generously loved each other and their neighbors. They point out that in the ancient world, mercy was widely seen as a character defect that ran counter to justice. Justice demanded people get what they deserved and was seen as appropriate, where mercy extended grace, love, and kindness to people who had done nothing to deserve it. Yet the Christians valued mercy. Christian communities became places where people tended to live longer and have healthier lives. For when they suffered sickness, poverty, or mishap, they had brothers and sisters in Christ provided for the need. And Christians extended love way beyond the boundaries of family and congregation, but to their pagan neighbors. In 251 AD, for example, a great plague struck the Greco-Roman world. Memories were revived of a plague a century earlier in which more than a third of the population died. Fear was everywhere. Those who could afford it fled to the countryside. Those who could not remained in the cities. When they went to the temples, they found them empty because the priests hadn't fled. The streets were filled with those who had become infected. Their families left with no option but to push them out the door. Christian communities, however, took an entirely different approach. They saw it as the responsibility to love the sick and dying. So they took them into their homes and nursed them. This action meant that many people recovered who otherwise would have died. In fact, historians suggest that elementary nursing could have reduced the mortality rate as much as two-thirds. But it also cost a number of Christians their lives. In the early church, Henry Chadwick comments, The practical application of charity 
was probably the most potent single cause of Christian success. The pagan comment, see how these Christians love one another, reported by Tichelian, was not irony. Christian charity expressed itself in care for the poor, for widows and orphans, in visits to brethren in prison or condemned to the living death of labor in the mines, and social action in time of calamity like famine, earthquake, pestilence, or war was a cause, the rise of the success of Christianity. I share this this morning. I mean, I'm saying this because I want us to understand really, you know, the backstory. We talk about, you know, our faith or, or the idea of, of Christianity and, and what people, what, excuse me, what Peter simply is telling, he's telling the story. He's telling the story of the gospel of Christ, of, of the Savior that impacted people's lives and transformed them. And, and maybe in understanding the story, we, we should look at what the story is, is not. Well, the story is not just mere facts. I mean, facts can aha you or aha us and, and they can, you know, catch our attention, maybe and be interesting to think about. But a story is not just facts. A, a story is not impersonal. It, it, it's it's a testimony, something someone has experienced it in, in, in something that has truly happened in somebody's life. And when you say this is my testimony, this is my experience. No one can doubt that it has ever happened. And And then finally, a story. A story is not to be not meant to be perfect. Stories are not meant to be perfect. I remember one, I think, pivoting point of my story or a point where my life really, really had a, a kind of a, a, a renewal or a transformation was was when I was about probably 33 or 34 years of age. I, I was going through an early midlife crisis, I think, and my wife had probably identified as that. And, and we were in a church in Kimberly, Idaho. I don't know if you know where Kimberly is, but it's near Twin Falls. And we were pastoring, and the church was growing, and things were doing great. But for some reason, I, I found myself in this valley, and I was just in this funk. You know, you ever been in a funk? I was just in this funk and it's like this dark valley and there's this this rain cloud that was over my head and I could not get out of it. And I was just an unhappy dude. And I began to wonder and I began to question my call. I mean, God had called me to preach when I was 15 years of age. And now here I am in ministry 10 years and I, I'm in this funk and I'm, I'm beginning to think, oh, maybe I should do something else. And so those thoughts began to kind of bounce around in my head. And I remembered in graduate school, I worked for Sprint or U.S. Sprint before it became Sprint. And I worked for MSAG Corporation and I, I worked in the big offices and I had this great corporate experience. And so I thought, I know what I'll do to find, you know, purpose in life again. Is I, I'll go back in the corporate world. My church is doing great, but I just got this thing in my head. I, yeah, I'll go back in the corporate world. And so I made a professional resume and I sent out 34, count them, 34 resumes to 34 different corporations around the country. And I thought for certain with my experience and, and my effectiveness in the corporate world, you know, I, I would get picked up. So anyhow, I sent out the resumes and a week passed, nothing. Another week passed, nothing. It was about the third week. Finally, I get a call from one of the major corporations that I had applied to. And of all people, lo and behold, it was the president of the corporation, a female president. And she called me and she identified herself as the president of this particular corporation. And I kind of swelled up sitting there in my office and I thought to myself, wow, it's the president. I'm probably going to get a job offer. And so she proceeded to tell me, of course, who she was, that she represented this company. And then she said, but I, I want to let you know something else. She says, I'm also a Christian 
And she, but she had said, is this Pastor Miller? And I identified myself. And she says, well, Pastor, I'll let you know I'm a Christian. And I'm not only a Christian, but I attend a Nazarene church. And she says, by the way, I know how this calling thing works. And all I have to say to you is shame on you. And click. And I want to tell you something. I, I, I just that I about dropped the phone on my desk. I mean, it was like a ton of bricks that hit me. But this woman had the gall to call me and say, shame on you. And all of a sudden, my world, my world shifted. And I had this transforming moment and this reminder that God had called me to full-time preaching ministry. And I had begun to wander off track. And I praise the Lord that a part of my story is that she was willing to call and confront this pastor. And it began to direct me back to the story that God had called me to. Amen. I praise the Lord that God works in the wonderful, in the beautiful ways that he does. I, I praise the Lord that there's moments, maybe aha moments, that we're reminded that we're a child of the king. In fact, in this passage, go back to the passage now. Let's look at our text there. And, and around verse 37, what happens, these people, they hear the truth. It's the story of Christ. And and here's the response in verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That aha moment. I, I wonder I wonder if I could ask the question this morning, like one man asked me, his name is Brad Teagarden, one of you, you, one of our members here. And Brad Teagarden asked this question. He said, if you had the power to write the next chapter in your life, what would it look like? If you had the power to write the next chapter in life, what would it look like? I mean, would it be a chapter of bitterness and, and a loss of direction and, and, and a chapter that would not include Christ? Or would your chapter include purpose and direction and meaning? And would be a chapter where your story intercedes with the story of Jesus Christ. And because Christ is a part of your life, there is this purpose and direction that you never dreamed about. Amen. Would it be that kind of chapter that you write? We see what the passage gives us an opportunity to do in reading about the story. Is to say, I want my story. To be a part of the story of Jesus Christ. I want my story to intersect where where Jesus Christ impacts my life. And I encounter that Savior that transforms me. I don't know. Maybe you're at a place you need to experience the world shifting a little bit. Where you can say, Jesus, I, I, I choose you. And I want to follow you this morning. I want to invite us to do that. Let us stand together today. And I invite us to stand. And... Uh, very worshipfully, we're going to have a response time. We often do this on Sunday morning. And, and this time is, it's a time for you to say, Father, I, I want my story to intersect with your story. And so, Jesus, I recognize what you've done for me, that you came and you died on the cross. Your blood was shed for me. Your body was broken for me, that I might have everlasting life. Part of your story might be, again, a world shift. Where there's something that God is speaking to you about right now. And you're saying, God, I want to be obedient. And I'm going to just come up here. Maybe for some of you, it might be just, you know, lighting a candle saying, Lord, you are the light of my life. You are my hope. And it's just acknowledging God's priority in your life. Or maybe there's some paper up here by the hope wall. 
You can write down a prayer. But I just I want to invite us just to respond. They're going to lead us in worship. But I invite you to allow your story to be intersected and encounter the story of Christ. And that this story that Peter was preaching about is called the gospel. That maybe it's a moment in your life you're saying this, Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, I repent of my sin. As simple as that, Lord, I need I need you in my life. And maybe a part of that, as you respond and you receive communion, servers, won't you come and you're a part of, of what's happening today? You may want to kneel at the altar and invite you. You can do that as well. But let's just respond. Let's be worshipfully faithful to the Lord today and hear his voice and say, Lord, I want you to be a part of my story. Let's hear his voice as we worship today.